0: You're listening to Field Day with Katie Black.
1: Okay, what's up? Welcome to Field Day with Katie Black. I'm honored. I'm with Travis Reid in the
0: house.
2: (laughs) What's up,
1: Travis?
2: How you doing, Katie?
1: Good. How are you?
2: I am good. This is uh, my first interaction with you, but hopefully not the last.
1: That's right. Good vibes. I already feel good vibes. So I always ask people, where were they born slash where were they raised?
2: Well, I was born uh, in Martin Luther King Hospital in uh, Los Angeles, California. I was raised in South Central. They call it South Los Angeles now, but I was raised in South Central LA. Um, back back in the eighties, I'm an eighties baby.
1: That's right. What's up? Me too. <laughs> And so what was, you know, in a nutshell, I'm sure it's going to be hard to break it down in a nutshell. Like what, what was that experience like? I mean, obviously you guys don't see it, but you got a, you know, Dodgers hat on. What's, you know, you still love it.
2: Oh, of course. I mean, I don't live in L.A. now. Nobody really lives in L.A. We're okay. all commuting to L.A. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what I'm saying like growing up in L.A. at that time, uh, it was pretty tough. Uh, You know, at the time, it was like the murder capital of the world,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. you know. Uh, But, you know, luckily for me, I had a father and a mother who, like, kept me into sports and uh, kept me out of trouble.
1: I feel that. Now, um, before I go into your career, of course, wanted to know since I am, I just have studied since a young child, all sorts of things that have gone on in the country. was wondering, were you in the area during the L.A. riots?
2: Yes. Yeah, I lived in I lived in L.A. doing the riots. I used to see the smoke every day outside of my house.
1: How long, give or take, like, did that go on for?
2: Like two, three weeks, almost a month.
0: Wow. I was I just
2: remember being out of school for like a month or, you know, six weeks. And I literally, I was at the house every single day for six weeks uh, in the middle of like, you know, the school year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was like insane. You know what I'm saying?
1: was it almost yes. like not to compare but almost like a covid thing where everyone stayed inside for a little bit or what
2: Well, no. I would say the covid thing everybody stayed in the house during the riots people were out trying to steal and <laughs> loot and pillage. Right. Um but I didn't I know about thinking, like
1: you and your family, you know.
2: Oh, we I just I had a basketball court in my in my backyard. Uh, like, you know, it was like one of those old school ones where you had to put the cement and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. put real like old school hoop up. Right. So I I just shot a lot with my dad in the backyard. But like, um, as far as us, we didn't really do too much. Uh, some members of my family, they went out and like, you know, funny story that, uh, I, I don't know, one of my cousins or my uncle uh, went to Nike, you know, when they went and mm-hmm. looted or whatever. And he, had, he got, like, 18 pairs of shoes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny story. And he was like, does Travis need any pair? I'm like, because oh, he got all, like, smaller shoes. I was like, oh, man, my feet too big. You didn't get no bigger shoes. Um, That's hilarious. Second funny, second funny story, uh, there was a bed, like a, say, a place that sold beds, like, two blocks from my house.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they looted that, and... Uh, a five, seven Hispanic dude had a California King mattress on his head and he was running down the street <laughs> and the mattress was like flopping because it was so big and he was running down the street with the mattress on his head.
1: That was, super- that was funny. Wow. I guess I didn't really understand that it lasted more than like, you know, a week.
2: Oh yeah. It was, it was lasted for a while. Like I said, it was, it was insane. Like I said, we were just like at the time, uh, we were using like a generator mm-hmm. because, like, you know, the, they, the power and everything was all messed up. And uh, yeah, like we would watch TV or whatever. We would see, you know, people like coming, going into shopping, like, you know, uh, grocery stores and coming out with a full <laughs> everything. <laughs> everything of just everything and just groceries. Like, I'm just picking up some stuff, you okay. know, while they were interviewing, like, the reporters would be interviewing people it's like oh yeah i had to get some milk and some greens and some you know some apples for the kids and i was like oh okay (laughs) you know it was it was insane i was like 11
0: Mm -hmm.
2: or something like that at the time it was just insane time
1: insane in the membrane
2: yeah for sure
1: okay well how obviously i understand that your parents basically what came first did you have a love of sports or your parents kind of pushed you in that direction and you ended up loving it or how did that happen as a youth
2: i would say probably a little bit of a mix of both mm-hmm. i think that you know my father was a great a great player in his own right you know he played basketball football but he baseball but he was really good in basketball and you know, I grew up, you know, uh, watching the Lakers obviously like everybody else in LA and I love Magic Johnson. He's like still my favorite player of all time to this day. Um, and I would say, you know, I love the game, but like my father kind of pushed me towards sports cause he, you know, cause he didn't, he didn't believe of like, you know, me sitting around the house. So he was like, you gonna do something. You're okay. gonna play basketball. You're gonna play football. You're gonna play baseball. You're gonna do something.
1: Was there a moment where you're like, "Wow, I'm really good at this"?
2: Um, what I did realize when I was like in the fourth grade, I was like eight, mm-hmm. and I was playing with like eleven-year-olds because mm-hmm. my father always played me three ages higher than my age. Oh
0: my goodness! Always,
2: yeah. So like, I always took my lumps,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and so like, I remember I was like eight. And my dad was like, I'm going to start you with the 10, 11-year-olds or 11, 12-year-old kids. And I actually had a good game, you know, at eight years old. And I was like, maybe I can do something with this, you know? And my dad thought the same thing, you know? He was like, he's eight playing with 11-year-olds and he's doing, he's holding his own. So he might have some talent,
0: you know?
1: Wow. Yeah. So for those that don't know, you played at UCLA and Long Beach State. hmm mm-hmm. And so what were those two experiences at two different places like?
2: Well, obviously UCLA being uh, a major college, you know, uh, with major, major college with major, you know, like. Vibes. every Vibes, traditions, whatever you want to say uh it was my dream school you know like i I was watching i've been watching ucla since i was a kid you know i watched reggie miller when he was at ucla i watched you know ed and charles abandoned you know because i knew a lot of the guys you know mitchell butler toby bailey chris johnson you know like I, i knew a lot of them growing up i used to watch all of them growing up so like my father one thing me and my father always used to do is like we would watch basketball games and watch all the talent of California Mm -hmm. history coming up, you know? So, um, a lot of those guys went to UCLA, some went to SC, but a lot of them went to UCLA. So UCLA was my school. And we we came in, I came in with, as the number one recruiting class in the country, you know, with myself, Baron Davis, Earl Watson, uh, Billy Knight rest arrested, so Rico Hines, Ty Ramazar. And, You know, my two years at UCLA were great, but I think that it just wasn't for me per se. I wanted to find kind of my own path. And that's why I went to Long Beach State. Uh, And Long Beach State was, you know, like a mid-major school. But for me, the main thing about Long Beach State, what it did is help me get my grades back in order. I graduated from Long Beach State, which was a a big accomplishment, one of the biggest accomplishments in my life, getting my college degree. and Long Beach State gave me a second chance to kind of figure out that I could still play this game. Cause at UCLA, I didn't know. I, my confidence was kind of up and down, kind of weighing. And going to Long Beach State kind of got my confidence back in myself to know that I could still play this game for a long time. And so at Long Beach, I was like first team, all big west, two years in a row, runner up play the year, two years in a row. And uh that's after that, I went over, you know, obviously, you know, went overseas.
1: Wow. Now, did you, was it pretty quickly that right after graduation, you went overseas?
2: Yeah, pretty much, you know, like after the draft hit, you know, because I got drafted like number 59 or something like that um, in the NBA. But I, I knew that the team really wasn't going to, they just kind of used me as a pick. Mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to make the team and I needed money for rent. <laughs> so um, my boy had an agent He was like, I can get you to Bogota, Colombia. (coughs) Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, And that was my first job, Bogota, Colombia. Um, And they was like, we'll pay you whatever it was, $4,000 a month. Uh, And I was over there for like two months just to kind of make sure I, I could pay rent, I could be good. And I signed a contract to go to Poland when I was in Bogota. So.
1: Wow. So many different directions, right? I could go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Well, first off, well, like, were you, how did you feel about traveling overseas? Like, had you ever done that before? And did you love it? What was it like?
2: No, look, I look. I had to get a map, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously back then, like, you know, our phones wasn't what it was now. Right. So I had to get, like, a thesaurus map, uh, you know, like, to look, okay, I go just, oh, it's in South America over here, you know? And I was like, you know, uh, I told my mom, like, mom, I don't want to be a teacher or anything like that. I want to still play basketball. Cause she was like, I don't know. I don't know, baby. You know, like, I think you should, you know, stay in the States. And the funny thing was like, if cocaine cowboys would have came out back then I, she wouldn't let me go. She was <laughs> like, <"Yeah."
0: laughs> hilarious. you know,
2: yeah, cause I was, I was in Medellin and all the other places to play basketball. So. But, yeah, it was it was a crazy situation just because I ain't never done it. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I'm doing all this all by myself. Right. And I'm in another country where they don't speak English. And yeah, how did
1: that go over? Just. Yeah, they didn't
2: they didn't speak English. They just spoke Spanish. So I learned a little bit of Spanish. You know what I needed to know?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like chicken, slow down, <laughs> you know. Right. All the mains. Um, yeah, all the main stuff. Uh, you know, I love you, but I don't know why I know that I love you. But um, and uh, the, the like the crazy thing is, like in Bogota, I didn't have a car, but they I had two armed guards with me at all times whenever I would go anywhere in the city. Um,
1: now why why?
2: Because they kidnap people. Legit. Yeah. So like, there was no police. The army was the police. Mm-hmm. And so the army basically, we, we stayed in like a four-star hotel, the whole team. And basically we did, you know, like um, in a four-star hotel, like if I want to say, I used to just go to get like little cakes and then go to like the international call spot so I can call home. Um, and my, you know, like, I, it was like, oh, you leaving? I'm like, yeah, so... And they were just, all right, you and you, go. So these guys had the AK-47s and the M16 rifles with me whenever I would walk outside of the hotel. Wow. Yeah, so I didn't go anywhere, but like there and in the gym, pretty much, for the most part.
1: Before I dissect all the places you went and how long it lasted, was wondering, just from my standpoint, you know, like I said, I know sports, but I don't really, like, I'm not an encyclopedia was Mm -hmm. curious that how the college game is different from the professional game.
2: Um, I would say in the States in general, college and NBA college is like, is a different thing because it's like teams play zone, you know, teams, double team guys, triple team guys, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, as in Europe, and let's say the NBA, NBA is about athleticism. If obviously now, especially, it's about athleticism and speed and shooting, you know? So Steph Curry and Golden State Warriors can win a championship with a 6'8 guy at center in Kevin Looney, right? Um, in Europe, the game is much more physical. It's much more slow down. It's not like, you know, NBA has, what, 25 guys averaging 25 points a game? right, something like that, you know, 10 guys averaging 26, 27, you know, like in Europe, it's not like that. If you're averaging 25 in Europe, you're averaging like 40 in the States Mm.
0: because
2: the game is slow, more slow down. Um, It's much more physical and they run a lot of plays. So I would say the difference between college and Europe is that Europe, the players are more skilled obviously stronger because they're grown men and they're just more physical even though like they do a lot of flop and that's how i learned how to flop from the european dudes they would <laughs>
1: and,
2: you know kind of like people used to be on vlade divas when he would flop against shack like that's how they play that's how all european big men play like you know if they if you bang in, they're gonna fall and they're gonna pull you down to make sure the ref sees oh whoa. yeah so my first year. Over in Europe, I, like, led the league in turnovers (laughs) because I was charging a lot and doing dumb stuff. Uh, Just getting used to the game. Uh, But, yeah, I would say that's the biggest difference. You know, it was just like the European game is a lot of shooting. Mm -hmm. The big man can shoot. Jokic is obviously the MVP of the league, but most of the European big men play like Jokic over there. Not as good as Jokic, obviously. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
2: The Joker, you know what I'm saying? But... That's how they play. They, they, they're not as athletic. They can shoot it. They can pass it. You know, they can do a lot of things, and everybody can kind of do that in Europe.
0: Did you
1: have any rituals that you did prior to a game?
2: Oh, yeah, had to. Uh, some cool, some kind of gross. <laughs> um,
1: do you want to share one?
2: Yeah, sure, sure. Like, um, I always had to use the bathroom before the game. Like mm-hmm. that day, I had to at least use it like three times. If I didn't use it three times, I felt heavy. Interesting. You know, that's probably the like the grossest thing. I
1: love that. No, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I love weird facts like that, you know? <laughs> I do.
2: <laughs> yeah. So before the game, like the night before, I would always read my Bible. You know, talk mm-hmm. to my grandmother, talk to my dad cut my hair. I always cut my hair the night before the game. So I have a fresh shaven, fresh, you know, fresh look. Um, Cause if you look good, you smell good, you play good, you know? Right. Um, after that, you know, like uh, I would eat, I would get up, uh, go shoot. You know, we were out practice, then go shoot and then lift and uh, come back home, ice my legs, Eat lunch and then take like a three hour nap, and that was like, yeah. And then when I got up, I kind of like started listening to my music.
1: Getting pumped. I
2: watch, yeah, get pumped. Watch my Rocky scenes. I always watch Rocky Four training montage.
0: Okay, cool, cool.
2: Yeah, like you know, like you know, just like him working out and just doing, going through all that. And then, uh, like I said, listen to my music and get ready for the game.
1: So, when you're playing the game, I've asked this before. Do you kind oh. of do you like ha, what is in your mind? Like, do you is it just almost like someone brushing their teeth and not thinking about it? Like, is it just you're in the zone? Do you kind of just I'm just wondering, like, your headspace of like what it's like to play the game, or do you go to a place, or do, are you literally in a mindset of you're actually not thinking, even though? it's like reflexes
2: yeah basketball is i would say like before the game i would get just like uh like mad i would listen to music i would be mad right and but at the end i would listen to a god song and then kind of take a prayer and just kind of uh, okay now i'm relaxed mm-hmm. you know but like i would have to pump myself up to get going and then relax myself you know for me, I, I used to love the games. Um, uh, you know, long if I can play, you know, once I get into a rhythm, you know, if I score a bucket here, then a bucket there, and then I get into a rhythm. Like, okay, I'm in the rhythm of the game. The fans and stuff uh in Europe are way crazier than fans in the states.
1: Why do you think uh, that because,
2: is? Oh, because they they live and they die with it. i I'm not saying they don't do that in the States. But they live and die with their teams. And like we have fans that would, they would light like tire flares in the gym while we we're playing and bam, and like and singing,
0: you know,
2: whatever they say. And you know, they be singing, they be dancing. You'd be like, wow, okay. You know, like you get, I'd be amped. I was like, I used to pump me up. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, In Europe, you have to be only the really, really good teams win on the road. Um, You really like, you know, like to win, you got to basically win by like 10 points. Cause if if it comes close, the ref is going to cheat for the home team.
1: What?
2: Yeah, it's always kind of like that.
1: That
0: sucks.
2: Yeah, but. yeah, no, like I would say, to get into like the mindset and the zone of it, you know, like, you know, like I just I just go to a place of of like, I guess you want to say for me, basketball was freedom.
0: Oh, that's awesome! You know, I love
2: that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was freedom of mind, freedom of thought, freedom of the drama that you would have to go through. Say, me and my ex or something is going through drama uh you know with each other in a relationship or drama at home or whatever the case is basketball is that release from that you know and it's mm-hmm. like okay this is what I'm focusing on right now I'm not saying that was a hundred percent happen all the time because some things sometimes what happens is your home life spills into your professional, into your court life and that's when you your mindset is messed up but other than that, you know what I'm saying? That basketball was my freedom. It was my, you know. That's I loved awesome.
1: It. I love to hear that. So another thing, obviously, I know that you traveled. I might understand like Romania, Australia, Germany. Was there was there a favorite?
2: I, look, I, I don't want to offend any of my Dutch people. I would say Australia is probably the best because they spoke English or some form of English. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get it, yeah. And they were Americanized. Uh, As far as like they had Burger King, you know, they called it Hungry Jack's, but it was Burger King. They had McDonald's, they had Subway, they had In-N-Out, not In-N-Out, McDonald's, Subway, 31 flavors. You know, like they had American food, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Domino's. The only thing about Australia is that they drive on the opposite side of the street. So I actually had to drive, learn how to drive from the left side. I mean, the right side, not the left side.
1: Yeah, I've Um, always... That's got to be trippy, huh?
2: Yeah, that was trippy because I almost got into an accident my first year like every day.
1: Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> like, oh, 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 you know, like. <laughs> You're having to like retrain Uh-oh. your brain.
2: Yeah, no, it does. It does. And as far as partying, though, Estonia got to be the best. Estonia, they party in a blizzard.
0: They don't negative
2: care. 10 outside, they outside. Vodka, you know, Red Bull and Vodka.
1: Well, another thing that I'm curious about, especially, um, well, I mean, I love to ask this of anybody really, but especially I feel like it's heightened when you're in some sort of limelight, right? So I was curious um, whether it was in college or a combination of college and, you know, professional basketball. um, How do you take, how how are you, how do I say this? Like um, taking stock of individuals around you, right? Like a, a negative crowd, essentially. Like, is that just uh, trial and uh, error or how does well, that roll? Being
2: aware of my surroundings. Right. Well, I was, you know, living where I lived in a war zone at the time. Like, that's what you taught to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I still do this to this day. You know, like when I go into a restaurant, any restaurant, I sit with my my face towards the door. So I see everybody coming in and coming out. Oh. And I see where all the exits is or see where he, or I can make an exit. <laughs> And for me, it's always just, it's just like second nature. So if I'm in the club, especially in another country, I'm always just looking seeing see who's this, who's that. For me, I'm a big, tall, nice guy. So like all the fans would just come up to me all the time. When you're in Europe, they're more aggressive, especially because they're intoxicated. So they come, try to get Mm-hmm. put their arm around you and mm-hmm. try to talk to you in your face and you're just like man back up man you know back up yeah. a little bit but for me i just would you know like hey what's up man how you doing kind of look down toward and not in my face
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know um and like i said for me it's like i was good because I, I i was a people person so i i i would see stuff like stuff happened in the clubs but i never nothing have ever happened to me because i was always good you know
1: what about though, like, intimate, like, friends, whether, like, did you ever, I'm sure at some point, question, like, or is this person, like, legit? You know what I mean? Regardless. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or is this person just. Is this just- person
2: using me? Yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much. That's, yeah, reading about twines, so essentially.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, look. When you're a professional athlete or whatever, you definitely get, uh, you definitely deal with, like, leeches mm-hmm. or or people that that are using you for the clout, you know? Look, uh, you know, like when you're American overseas, it's not as much per se, but it's, it's still there, you know. Like NBA obviously, that's what all people do. You have the the weed guy, you have the girls <laughs> guy, you have the, you know, get you in any club guy, you know, like they like you have a guy, a guy, a guy, a guy, a guy. And then people wonder why athletes have like big old entourages because everybody has their particular mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said in Europe, like it's not like that. It's you're pretty much by yourself. You know, like you don't need it. You can't really have a posse of dudes um, like that. You know, so like when you go into a club, you by yourself, or maybe with your teammates, and that's it. You know, so for me, it's like if I'll go into the club by myself, um, I would have a good time and. I would leave either with company or by myself, you know, company being a, you know, a young uh, female or my teammate for the most part. Um, But you just gotta be aware of somebody trying to use you for whatever you have. Um, for me, like, Oh yeah, for me, I never, it's a probably a bad thing. I just never trusted anybody, especially, Like that over there. I left that world. That was my world at the time. But then when I would come back, this would be my world. So I never trusted anybody out there like that, you know, Mm -hmm, besides mm -hmm. maybe my teammates. But even then, you know, like I trusted them, especially on the court, and I trusted them to take care of me and I would take care of them. But I didn't trust anything outside of that. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: And maybe that like protected you in some way, you think?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, you know, my father always told me that. Some that usually is like looks too good to be true usually is. Mm -hmm. So like if somebody used to come up to me, I remember one time a dude came up to me. and was like, Travis, you know, you know, I I had just won uh, the championship in Holland and an agent was there at the game was like, Travis, I can get you $15,000 a month in Spain division two. Right. And I'm like, oh, you can you know, so what, you know, what company you represent? Well, I'm an independent, you know, guy, I, I know a lot of people in Spain, da, 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 And so I'm like, okay, oh, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, give me a number and I'll send you some, you know, I'll send you my tape or whatever for, you know, the game or whatever. So I we, you know, I exchanged his number, he's calling me, you know, this is right before I leave to go back home. And I'm like, you know, like, well, Teams are interested, you know, what teams are like he was like, well, there's a couple of this, you know, he didn't even rename a team. Cause I, I, I can look up the teams, you know, on Eurobasket, And it come to find out that he was using like that agency's name. He was a former agent of an agency that it was well-known and he was using their name to try to trick athletes into giving him money uh, to get them into bigger countries. Mm. And, you know, I I was, she was trying to make me his next victim. And I wasn't, you know, like, I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. All right. Well, I'll see you later with it. Yeah, peace. You
1: know. Well, how long did you, for those that don't know, play professionally over yonder?
2: I I played 10 years overseas professionally.
1: And so what was that like when that chapter closed?
2: Uh, Honestly, it was extremely hard. You know, it was extremely hard. Like it was, I was 32, 33 at the time. I had a three-year-old son. um, And I didn't know what to do with my life. Mm -hmm. Imagine, I played basketball since I was five years old, right? And i retire when I'm 33. That's 28 years of your life. And imagine doing something for 28 years. And then now you got to figure out what do you want? Like what else are you going to do? It's like being a a lawyer for 28 years of your life and now all of a sudden, now go be a doctor, you know, MD. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, what? And so for me, I had responsibility to help provide for my son and I just, I was lost for years trying to figure out what I was gonna do. Now I had the support of my family and all that, but like without God getting me through, I don't know what I would have done. I got really low
0: mm-hmm.
2: after I retired, really, really low, like thought about suicide, thought about a lot of stuff, you know, but you know, I had a little bit of alcoholism, you know, drank a lot, uh, you know, I, a lot of stuff. So for me, I, it was a tough it was a tough transition out of sports.
1: -hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing. And sorry that, you know, you went through that and you decided to stay with us.
2: Oh, you know, like, it's a blessing. We're all here for for a reason. I realized that. And, you know, for me, that's why I do the show that I do, because a lot of people, that don't, you know, realize how when athletes are up here at the top level or whatever, um, everybody loves you. Everybody talks to you. Everybody wants to talk to you know you blah 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 blah. but when it's over it's over mm-hmm. it's like that you know and then people don't want to talk to you people don't you're like all right well we're on to the next thing and people wonder why athletes are in substance abuse mm-hmm. or they smoke weed or they drink or you know they're depressed in a great state of depression because they don't know what to do with their life they don't
1: right. well i've studied a lot of um just, I've just been a creature of always studying interviews of, you know, athletes, of movie stars, what have you. And, you know, I'm only – you're my fifth interview into this new show that focuses on ex-athletes. But it seems to be um, a running theme of no one preparing these individuals no matter which sport it is. This – I mean, they know that it's going to happen, right? But there's no backing. There's no, like, support system of, like, hey, these are things maybe you need to – set in motion and was wondering if something like that was available. Do you think that would help? Cause I've also had another individual tell me, well, no one could prepare you for it anyways, even if they tried.
2: Well, I would tell you this athletes think they're immortal. Mm-hmm. Right? I played 10 years overseas. Right. Which is longer than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Right. But I thought I was going to play 20,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, <laughs> I thought I was going to play till I was 40, you know, have a couple of years of towel waving and being that American towel waving, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, it wasn't in God's plan for me. So um, I feel like they can do something like that to kind of prepare you. Cause you never know when it's going to end. Like I have friends within my 10 years, like quit and stop playing basketball and like get hurt, stop playing. I mean, one of the things about me, I was, I got hurt. I had two, I have two stress fractures in my shins or well, had them. And I still have two plates in my shins as we speak. Mm. You know, over you know over my shins. So, for me, I would say like what they should do, like you know basketball, like uh, in general, they should you should be able to you should have like teach you how to have a retirement plan, teach you how to have something where like you know if you're getting say five thousand a month, they put seven hundred a month in a app you know retirement account.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Similar to a four hundred one k or something like that, right? Um, because in Europe, especially, you don't have, we don't have four hundred one ks in Europe. Whatever you get, you get, and if you spend it all, that's it. That's it.
1: You
2: know, you're screwed. Yeah, the, yeah, that's it. So there's nothing. You know, like you might save my, I save money or whatever, but it's like I had to use it obviously when I got back and retired from basketball.
1: No, I feel that. Well, I appreciate, mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing and everything anytime was curious well before i get into podcasting life okay how do you believe the game has changed basketball yes
2: oh hell yeah excuse my language no <laughs> i mean yeah. please
1: i curse all the time <laughs> oh but i mean how how so
2: Look, I mean, I hate to be the the old get off my fence guy or get off my long guy. Uh-huh. It's, but it's it's a fact. The game is less physical. You know what I'm saying? Like, could you imagine the Detroit Pistons, uh, the bad boy Pistons in today's era? They would be missing seven players every game because half of them would be suspended every game, right? Fair because they were so physical. Now, I don't like that brand of basketball because that's just bully ball.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, yeah, the game is, you know, like I don't like teams shooting, uh, you know, 75 threes or 73s. Like, you know, people say like Go to State started it. I'm like, do you realize Go to State's offense is like a motion offense? So they get a lot of layups. They shoot threes, but Curry gets a ton of layups. Clay gets a ton of layups. Drink, you know, like they get a lot of layups. They don't just shoot threes willy nilly. Do I believe in analytics? In some facets, yes. And in some facets, no. You know, do I believe that everything should be a three or a layup? No. But I think now the game is where the players, it's more skill. Um, it's not just bully ball. You know, like they say for a perfect example, uh, and, uh, the New York Knicks had Patrick Ewing, Anthony Mason, and Charles Oakley as a front court. Right now, Mason and Oakley could shoot a little bit, and Patrick could shoot a little bit, but they were more for the physical side of basketball. Nowadays, teams can, like I said, like Golden State, the champion could have Kayvon Looney at center. He's like 6'8, Draymond Green, who's like 6'6 at the four, you know, and then they have obviously Steph and Clay, and I forgot who else started for them. They can have this little old team and still destroy you because they spread you out. And so, like, back then, that would have never happened. If Shaq was playing now, he would destroy, but the problem is, uh, you know, teams who shoot a lot of threes would bring him out, you know, out of the key. And what Steph Curry's done is done (coughs) great for the game, but he's eliminated the center. Period. What Golden State has done is just eliminated the big man.
1: So basically, you're almost like, in essence, you're saying like the sauce is gone?
2: Yeah. The physicality <laughs> sauce? Yes. Don't get me wrong. The game is still physical. Draymond is a great physical player. Uh, Milwaukee's a physical team. Giannis is physical. Uh, Miami's physical. Boston's physical. The basketball game for, you know, for men is like you – It's it's a lot of physicality, you know, and they're all players who are physical, but it's definitely a lot more skill uh, as far as like what guys have to do. There was no Kevin Durant back in the 80s or the 90s, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's in the, I mean, the closest thing to Kevin Durant, honestly, was Larry Bird, you know, or Magic Johnson. Um, And obviously, those are unique players. Larry Bird was 6'10, could shoot it, he handled it, pass it. And I think what Kevin Durant and Dirk Nowinski and those kind of guys has made the four man kind of streamlined to like a three man playing the four. That's what it is, you know, like small and small ball is small forwards playing power forwards, power forwards playing centers. Right. You know, I remember I got cut when I was in Europe. I got cut from Poland literally for nothing else that I wasn't six 6'10".
1: What?
2: You know, they said And tell listen, and tell
1: listeners how tall you are.
2: I'm six eight with shoes on. Six seven with shoes off. So they were like, Yeah, he's not six ten like you told us he was, my agent at the time. Like, well, is his game good? Can he play? He says, yeah, he can play, but he's not six ten. We want six ten.
1: That's weird.
2: So, uh and that's what happens, you know, like back then, mm-hmm. but now I feel like I was born, you know. 10 years too early, because now I would have played in the NBA, I feel like.
1: <laughs> wow, the all, that's fascinating. hmm Well, for people that don't know, Travis and myself are under the Believe Family Network, and I understand that you have two shows. Is that correct?
2: Yes, I do. I have the Believe in UCLA uh, show with my co-host Sam, Sam, uh, you know, Sam Connor. And you know he he went to UCLA a lot later than I did. I, obviously, I played at UCLA uh, basketball, so we talk about football, basketball, you know, uh, drafts, um, just everything about UCLA sports, pretty much. And then my main, you know, my show that I have by myself is uh, an athlete's journey. And what that is is a show that is about like people like myself and former athletes and current and future, just talking about their journeys, how how they grew up, how they got to their certain highs and peaks of basketball, you know, or or any sport that I, you know, that I talk to, uh, football, gymnastics, whatever the case is, and baseball, and what happens after. For me, it's always what happens after. I mean, I can share this with you because I've shared it on my podcast before. My best friend who went to UCLA with me, uh, Billy Knight you know he committed suicide after he retired from basketball like a couple of years because he didn't know he didn't make the transition he didn't know what he was doing next you know he didn't have a good grasp on it and so like it was a situation where he you know he just you know he felt like he just couldn't figure out what was next and he just couldn't deal with it and I like I said I, I I was at that point, you know, in my life. So for me, telling these stories and listening to these different people about their stories is the main thing. So the next generation of athletes, the next Travis Reeds or, you know, whatever can like feel like, OK, I'm not alone when I feel like this. I'm not alone if I feel depressed or or uh, just, uh, you know, I feel depressed or sad because of my career it didn't turn out the way I wanted to. Or, you know, just dealing with the stress of the game or whatever the case is, you know, that's what my my second show is about.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm sorry for the loss of your friend. Um, oh, you
2: know, it's like he, he's I'm pretty sure he's happy that I'm doing this. So, no, you know, if I can save one person,
1: mm-hmm.
2: one then I've, I've done my job, I'm good.
1: That's what's up. I mean, obviously not the same. I don't know, the same vibe as far as like what I am trying to highlight with this show is, you know, obviously, yes, I'm very interested in your career and your journey, but mm-hmm. I'm also just as interested as post career. Yeah,
2: no, it's very similar. It's, you know, our shows are very similar when it comes to that, because, you know, for me, it's like what happens after. That's my main thing is what happens after, mm-hmm. you know. Um, because like I said, we, we deal with a lot of stress. I mean, and I'm not just talking about like me cause I play overseas. I'm talking about like NBA guys. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, somebody tell me that like, you know, and he was an NBA for a long time that he immediately had to get therapy after he retired because he just was depressed and didn't know what he was going to do with his life. And he needed somebody that I talked to. Now, eventually he got everything back on track, but in the beginning it was just such a struggle.
1: Was, yeah. Well, I'm sure. Well, like I said, props to you too, for lending a voice and like, you know, being open that this goes on.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's definitely a situation where like nowadays, especially nowadays because of social media and everything like that, like, you know, everything is just like in your face, everything is in your face and you're just like, you know, if, people back in the 80s or 90s was in today, they wouldn't know how to deal with social media as crazy as it is. You know, you can be out for having a drink. So, you know, so Travis, are you alcohol? Are you you alcoholic? No? Yes? You know, and you're just standing there like, man, you know. (laughs) So for me, I just, I enjoy hearing stories and hear former athletes tell me how they grew up, how they how they, you know, got to their successful point of their athlete. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you don't have to be professional. It could be your peak was in college. Your right. peak was in high school. Right. Because you all, we all have to make the transition of life anyway. Mm-hmm. If you made it to high school, the transition to whatever you're doing next. If you made it to college, it was good. And then what's the transition next? Because everybody ain't blessed to play, you know, play professional or even want to. So
1: I feel that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well... Kind of, uh, you know, same topic of podcasting, but was curious, you know, since we're in this podcasting world, do you get a lot of, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a <laughs> podcast. And was wondering, obviously I do and have for years, just wondering what's your vibe of that? What's your, what's your thoughts?
2: Oh, well, look, I'll say this. If you can find what you do and is passionate, to so you do it, you That's know, fair. The the thing about podcasting is that the great and crazy thing is that anybody can do it from anywhere mm-hmm. about anything,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know? And if you feel like, you know, you have something to say that you want to get off your chest, so you feel like people will listen, who am I to the tell judge. you not to? Yeah. yeah, You know, only God judges. So I would never tell anybody, like, even if somebody wanted to say like, look, I want to talk about radishes. Okay. Uh, you no, know, I'll be like, okay with that. My, that might be, not be for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, because I don't want to know about radishes, but maybe somebody does want to know about radishes in in Willacoochee, Georgia, or I don't know, uh, New Mexico. You know, like, oh, so you make your radishes like that? So for me, like, you know, if you want to do it and you feel like you have a voice, go ahead.
1: Do it. That's good advice. Well, I guess I, I, you know, and I've always kind of believed that everyone has a story and all that and everyone has something to offer. But I guess I kind of I've asked I asked that just because here recently, I feel like I, I hear people say it so much, but I'm like, but do you really <laughs> do you really want to? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's my vibe. But
2: I think when they people see things that you'd like, they say they see you right, Katie. And they see you have a podcast, you be doing your thing. And like, you you get signed to Believe and all that. And then they be like, well, I want to do a podcast because I just saw Katie do this, 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 you know? Now, like you said, like, do you really want to do it? Because the podcasting is a grind. And if you ever want to get to a successful level, you got to have a grind about yourself to consistently put out content. Mm -hmm. It can't be like one week, I want to do a show. And then like a month, you know, you know, goes by and I don't want to do a show. It ain't podcasting ain't that. It's just a consistent treadmill grind that you're on until you get off the treadmill and maybe you get a deal or, you know, maybe you get to a network. Maybe you did, you know, sign to a company, you know.
1: Last question. I always love to ask this and I give the background that Love unsolved mysteries from back in the day with Robert Stack. (laughs) And my favorite segment is the unexplained. Okay. So Travis was curious if you've ever seen a ghost or it doesn't have to be a ghost, something unexplained (laughs) that you never forgot.
2: (sighs) That's a good question. (laughs) Yes, but it's explained. You know, like, I remember waking up, like I said, during the riots, cause we talked about it. And every day I woke up, the sky was black, but it was filled with smoke. Mm-hmm. So basically you would think it was nighttime when it was 12 in the afternoon,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know? Uh, and so like, I just remember like, that was crazy. Like, damn, it's like darkness. Like right. I can't even see the sun. There's just so much fire and smoke. But that was explained. And I, I guess the one thing I do, I don't explain, I don't understand is uh, uh, Alaska. I don't understand they have six months of dark and six months of light. I went out there when they had six months of light once. So it was two in the morning and the sun was out. And I'm like, how do you live like that? How do you sleep with the sun out at two in the morning, you know? So that will probably be the weirdest, you know, like, oh, that's unexplainable to me.
1: I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. Well, especially even going back to the LA riots for that to have gone on, you said for a month. I mean, I'm yeah. I mean, how trippy.
2: No, that was, like I said, like every time I would go out to the front yard, you would just see in the backyard too. You would just see, Because everything was burning. Right. You know, like, like literally everything was burning around you, literally burning around you. So, I mean, like for me, like they never burned our street, anything on our street, but they burned like the street over from our street, which was the liquor store. The one we walked to that was burned down the whole complex, the little strip mall across the street from that, Mm -hmm. that was burned down. Like, um, all that was, you know, like he was like, man, you know, it was a crazy. that was just a crazy situation. You know especially being a kid
1: in it. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Travis, do you want to give a shout out to any of your social media or anything where people can find you?
2: Sure, sure. Like people can find me uh on Instagram at Travis W Uh that's R-E-E-D. First name Travis, middle name W. Um on Instagram I post all my social media platforms or whatever I'm doing on that. Um, you can follow me on Facebook as well. Um, at Travis W. Reed, same thing. Um, and if you, like I said, if you want to listen to my show on the podcast form on the on this network, it is Believe in UCLA, and the other one is called An Athlete's Journey. You just type in, go to Believe Network, type in Travis Reed, Believe. You know, uh, you know, uh, An Athlete's Journey. You'll find it, or you can find it on Spotify. You know, iHeartRadio uh, Apple podcast, all that stuff. And, oh, and if you want to see this face that you're listening to, we also got the shows on YouTube as well. An athletes journey, just go support, subscribe, like the channel, you know? And like I said, all the shows on there too.
1: What's up? Well, Travis, what do you, what do you think? That's it.
2: <laughs> Is it? I was ready for more, you know, you like, you was give me like questions. I'm good.
1: Oh, uh, well, second round we'll have to do this again oh
2: i'm with it anytime
1: all righty well like i said i appreciate you coming on i appreciate i always tell people you didn't really know me so that makes it that much nicer you know what i mean appreciate it appreciate you sharing and like i said props to you for the work you're doing
2: well, like I said, I appreciate you uh, for letting me come on your show, Katie. And like I said, it's gonna be first to many, first to many.
0: Yeah. And, and you know,
2: it's gonna be successful. You're gonna be super success coming to the network.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you.